sleep. I only understood the value of sleep when I lost it. And that happened at exactly the same time I became a parent. Whether it's the bone-crushing sleep deprivation of the early weeks and months or the interrupted nights from wet beds and sick children, sleep is never the same. I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is The Promise of Sleep, a podcast that explores all the ways parents and babies can get more sleep. In this episode, we're talking about sleep deprivation. There's nothing quite like it, is there? kind of like having jet lag. I just couldn't multitask at all. Like I could only do one thing. And if I started to think about something else, I would just start doing that instead. You're like a zombie. You forget everything. Um, I actually left our Foxtel remote in the fridge. It made me highly emotional. And just the brain fog that it brought on was worse than what I could have imagined. So far in this series, we've covered a lot of ground. How to manage expectations, choose the right help, the pros and cons of co-sleeping. We've even touched on sleep disorders. Now it's time to talk about you. How are you going? Regardless of what strategies you choose to get your baby to sleep, it's fairly inevitable that you will, at some point, feel sleep deprived. So what can you do about it? Apparently, there's a lot you can do, and that's what this last episode is all about, how to deal with the impact of sleep deprivation. It was very hard. It was very tiring. That's why we started the Parents' Village, because we knew we needed support around that. That's Lana Sussman, a counsellor from the Parents' Village, an organisation that supports parents, helping them in the first months and years of a child's life. My daughter wasn't too bad a sleeper at night, so I was lucky in that way, but daytime sleeps were really hard. So I was very exhausted, particularly during the daytime and didn't really get many breaks, I remember. At nighttime, I managed a little bit better, but I think I also put in place some strategies even then, I think because I was more aware of um, what was ahead. And so I was kind of a bit more prepared for the sleep deprivation part of it, which I think is um, helpful for parents or for new parents. We're going to look at a few of the strategies she recommends for managing broken sleep. I'm also going to speak with psychologists, sleep experts and dietitians to get some ideas that will help you feel better when you're lacking in sleep. But first, what is enough sleep and what's happening when you're not getting it? You might be surprised at what a good night's sleep actually looks like. While most adults need between seven to nine hours of sleep, we're often coming in and out of our own sleep cycles. It's not like we get one long stretch of deep sleep. Dr. Delwyn Bartlett is a psychologist at the Woolcock Institute of Medical Research, a centre specialising in sleep and breathing research. She says that parents experience sleep fragmentation. So their sleep is shortened and the quality of their sleep is often shortened. But most times, if they can get a period of three hours, then they're going to get most of their deep sleep for the whole night because we only spend 20% of the night in deep sleep. But if you are feeding every hour and a half and you're feeding for an hour to to get them settled and changed and all those things, that is so draining. According to Delwyn, if you're lucky enough to get three hours of deep sleep a night, you should be okay. 
But if you have a baby close by, no amount of sleep next to a gurgling, snorting, farting little being is going to be deep. And when our sleep is broken through the night, Lana Sussman says that our bodies don't get time to rest and recuperate, which is exactly what a new mum needs after birthing her baby. We need to sleep because we need our muscles to repair and we need all of our system to to reboot. So when we're not getting that sleep, our body is sort of going into... um, well, it's an overdrive, really, because it's trying to still do all the same processes as it, as it usually does, but without that sleep. So the repair's not happening as much. So um, it just means that we, we, we look worse. <laughs> it's actually scientifically proven. We look worse. We feel worse. Um, our bodies just aren't functioning. Our circulation's not functioning. We're not getting that repair. Um, and yeah, hormonally. And our hormones are huge. They, they really help, can help or hinder our body depending on um, how much we're looking after ourselves. So really, sleep needs to be a priority, which kind of sucks when you're a new parent because it's so hard for it to be a priority. When it's impossible to put your own sleep first, Dr Bartlett says the fallout affects nearly every aspect of life. You're like walking in a fog. You're a bit like a permanent shift worker, and shift work is is really tough. You're far less likely to do exercise, eat good food, enjoy life, and your mood is often quite compromised after you have a baby. Speaking of mood, lack of sleep has a psychological effect as well. Melissa Hughes is a psychotherapist at Baby and Beyond Counselling. Sleep deprivation, sometimes people describe as living in suspended animation. Um, It can range on a big continuum too, from just I'm a little bit foggy to real those impacts of brain function, emotional state, um, behaviours. They're all very hard to moderate when we're suffering sleep deprivation. People do unnatural things, say things that they don't often mean. Their capacity to hold a boundary, their capacity to function effectively, have rational conversations, incredibly minimised. There you go. Three experts telling you what you're feeling, jet-lagged, emotional, maybe even forgetful, are all legitimate side effects of not getting enough sleep. Now we know it's perfectly normal to feel so bad, let's look at what the solutions might be. The most obvious one is getting more sleep. But before you throw your device out the window, have a listen to this idea. Napping. It's not for everyone, but Lana Sussman from the Parents Village said it worked for her. It just took a little bit of practice. I set the time out to do it and I did start in pregnancy. Particularly as pregnant women can often find it difficult to get a good night's sleep at the end, which seems also so unfair really because you're trying to stock up on the sleep before the baby comes. So, um, you know, really even just 20 minutes or putting on a, a calming app or a meditation app, just lying down, closing your eyes, taking some deep breaths without that pressure of, oh my God, I need to sleep, I need to make this happen. Just letting myself relax. Um, and I really did that a lot. And I think it made a big difference um, because, you know, there's always going to be washing and things to do and cooking. But I made sure, um, particularly my daughter's first year of life, when there's there's quite a few sleeps that happen, particularly when they're smaller, at least one or two of them I tried to lie down for just to kind of make up for that lost sleep at night time. 
So I like to see sleep in 24 hours. So I think it can be very limiting when parents sort of um, go, oh, you know, I only had, you know, four or five hours sleep last night or I had, you know, two lots of broken up sleep or whatever it might be, um, seeing it in 24 hours is really helpful. So you can always make up for lost time. It's the same with the baby. You know, babies don't do huge long stretches. They get the required amount in broken up parts. So yes, I think the napping was a huge plus for me and made me cope quite well with sleep deprivation. The other challenge is when you're waking up to a small baby, it can be difficult to get back to sleep. Lana has a few suggestions for that as well. Your cortisol levels spike as soon as you hear the the baby crying. So it can be hard to come down off that. And sometimes parents kind of, they they do end up, mums, if they're they're breastfeeding or bottle feeding or whatever, they end up feeding and then they they kind of run on that cortisol. They, They almost up it by being stimulated. So they'll flick on Facebook. Often it's the phone because it's so handy and it's, you know, hand-sized and easy to look at. Um, But then, you know, if you're looking at a screen with the blue light, that's going to stimulate your system. So you're not going to be able to calm down. I mean, there's lots of things you can do. I know with me, I didn't look at my phone if it was in the middle of the night. Um, I just didn't look at it. I I tried to um, say to myself, I'm still sleeping she's still sleeping, it's still the night time. And I would just feed and and close my eyes on the rocking chair and just kind of try to stay in it or calm my system down that way. I knew that if I went to Facebook or um, any kind of social media, I would get stimulated again. It would find it really difficult. And particularly during the night, babies, um, when they feed, they go back to sleep usually, especially if they're younger, um, just because it releases certain hormones within them when you feed. So it actually relaxes, and in the mum. So it actually should relax you both, um, if possible. And if all that fails, stick in your um, earphones and listen to a relaxation app, do a meditation. The baby's nervous system really feeds off the mum's nervous system. So if we calm ourselves down, they're getting that feed and they're going to be calm as well. Then everyone's going to be able to go back to sleep quicker. I think one of the reasons why mums will watch Netflix or go on Facebook or like I did buy cute little outfits at 3am in the morning that I couldn't afford um, is because they feel awake and a bit frustrated that they're awake and maybe bored as well. Like I'm awake now, can't I do something fun for me? And then you end up um, engaging in something while you're awake Is there a way to deal with that feeling without stimulating yourself? So sometimes, you know, the babies can be awake for an hour, two hours, even after they've fed. Do you have any strategies for parents? I would recommend not watching Netflix (laughs) (laughs) Um, as as wonderful as it is. And I know it is that time in the night when like, no one, you know, it's so quiet in the house and it's sort of like that special little time. But that that is going to stimulate your system. I think that, you know, if you are going to engage in something because you can't get back to sleep or because the baby's still kind of up, you're still kind of settling and whatever, if you are looking at your phone or, you know, buying those baby clothes as you did or whatever, make sure you switch your phone to night shift. Um, it's actually a feature on most phones. Certainly iPhones have it. And that basically reduces the blue light so that it doesn't interfere with your melatonin production. While you contemplate the possibility of optimising the sleep you do get, let's take a short break.
There's so much to being a parent, isn't there? If you're enjoying this podcast series, come over and have a listen to Kindling Conversation. It's a daily parenting show that covers everything from feeding fussy eaters to starting big school to how to look after your relationships. Parenting is actually a skill that you learn on the job. We need to have strategies that we can keep topping ourselves up in order to keep giving. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. When we're tired, it can make us feel awful in body and mind. It can also make us snappy and our relationships fraught. And there are ways of dealing with all of that as well. Let's start with how we can feel better in our bodies. Heidi Z is a nutritionist passionate about the postnatal care of mums. So basically, when we're eating food, it goes into our body and um, our body uses that food to get energy um, and for us to to function. Um, And it's particularly important for new parents, but especially mothers who have been through pregnancy because babies can um, take a lot of these nutrients from our stores to get whatever they need to grow. And so um, we can sometimes be at risk of feeling a bit depleted if we're not nourishing ourselves well. So arguably, you know, it's more important than ever that we eat a nutrient-rich diet at this time. If we want to feel better, Heidi says it comes down to what we put in our mouths. Sleep deprivation has a big impact on how our body functions, including our hormone regulation, our hormone levels, and that can impact our hunger and fullness signals, the signals that that our brain is sent, and it can cause us to have a real, really increased appetite and, and have just this desire to eat um, many more foods and energy-rich foods, instant energy-hit foods. So um, just like all of the burgers and pastas and, you know, all the nutrient energy-rich rather foods. And so what we can do is we can just sort of help our body get into a bit of a better pattern by um, choosing wisely. Heidi isn't saying that you can't have the occasional coffee, thank goodness. What she is saying is that you'll feel better if you balance that out with food that will enhance your energy levels. Right now, you might get through the day with multiple coffees and bites of chocolate. While that works in the short term, Heidi says having a longer view of energy will help us more. We also, especially at this time when we're sleep deprived, need to incorporate some veggies and protein-rich foods and foods that are full of healthy fats and have a real balance of these foods together with, you know, high-fiber high carbs that are going to just help us be sustained and give us the energy we so greatly need. And we need to be basing our diet around those veggies, high-fiber foods, really foods that are good for our gut because all of it really impacts how our body functions, our mental health. We're so impacted by what we eat. You want food to make you feel good physically and mentally. Now, to deal with our minds. Facing a day without sleep, a day full of dirty nappies, crying babies and breastfeeding is enough to make anyone feel down in the dumps. Psychotherapist Melissa Hughes says that many parents can find themselves feeling isolated and that actually talking to someone can be a big help. And that isolation impacts hugely on um, state of mind and pleasure because when all you have is your own thoughts in your head 
if you never externalize that internal monologue, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the process of actually talking to someone, naming it, and especially someone who has um, expertise in this area, I hear the same things over and over. So I can say, I've, you know, that's a really common way to think. I, I hate the word normal because it's such a what is normal, but either being part of a, and I will say a facilitated group, sometimes mothers' groups are not that. Sometimes mothers' groups, some can be wonderful and some can be impacting, you know, um, and there's a bit of competition in there and you don't need that either. So, yeah, externalising, talking about it. And um, what I usually find, especially with new babies, mums, okay, and this is my clinical observations, rule of thumb for me, mums can get through about 16 weeks, complete sleep sleep deprivation, looking like fabulous, decisions are going well, and then somewhere around three, four, five months, the wheels kind of fall off. Sleep deprivation catches up, failed decisions or difficult decisions just accumulate. And what tends to happen, what, what I observe in relationships is the partner will go into this space where they do, they do, 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 and they do it really well and they don't complain and they don't let on that they're sleep deprived and they're impacted as well. So what can what it can look like is, oh my gosh, my partner is just kicking goals all the way through this and I am tired, I am cranky, I am. So I will often ask the partner to come in and if a partner in a safe space can actually say, I'm tired too, like I'm over it too, like sometimes I want to get in the car, go for a drive. But I thought that if I told you that, it would be worse. In my experience, every time it's not worse. The mother is so relieved that she's not just the only one experiencing it. It can actually be a really uniting moment. So honesty in relationship is really important. And I mean like transparent, not not the pleasantries. I'm talking if it's bad, share it. If it's great, share it. And everything in between. Lana from the Parents' Village has some tips that can help you when you're feeling tired. It's a really hard day ahead, isn't it, for the parent who's been waking up through the night with the baby or for both parents. Um, We talk a lot about energy. So you can be tired and you can be totally exhausted, but if you're going to have a boring day ahead of you, you're going to feel worse. No amount of coffee is going to make you feel better about that. So what we encourage is thinking about what inspires you, what energizes you, because you can really get energy from doing things that make you feel good. It's all about nourishing your soul, nourishing yourself from the inside. So thinking about and having a consciousness around that. um, Again, we often can't change what's happened during the night, but what you can change is what you make out of your day ahead. So we encourage uh, mums or whoever it is is up through the night because dad's are often part of that as well, to go out there to, if you're energised by people, then go go to your mother's group, go hang out with a friend, go find a friend who's got a baby maybe of the same age, 
do one of the baby's sleeps in the pram, do, go for a walk, be outside, you know, do whatever it is that makes you feel energised, that gives you those sort of firecrackers in your stomach a little bit. Or maybe it's about reading about something that really you're passionate about, that you were passionate about before you had a baby. So you're reconnecting with that sense of identity. So the, the key really is, you know, feeling tired, just get inspired. Like that's kind of our little, you know, mantra that we love to, to tell our clients. If you're doing this parenting thing with someone else, then it's a team effort, even if one partner is working. I think managing the expectation around sleep is really important, discussing it with your partner. We like to ask them questions around how do they cope with sleep deprivation, because some people can actually do quite well with sleep deprivation. One thing we're passionate about is divide and conquer. So again, having that awareness that it is going to be hard, but it's, there's no use having two people being incoherent and beyond exhausted. So we really encourage um, our couples who do our course to um, have that mantra in their mind so that what we mean by that is it might mean that on particular nights that you do sleep separately, for example, because, um, you know, if one of the partners is working and really needs to have a focused mind the next day um, on a particular job, you know, the other parent is more responsible. It might be dividing the night up so that, you know, resettling is done by one partner and then the other. Um, With the separating of rooms, you know, what we suggest around that is if that does happen, so maybe from Monday to Thursday, you sleep in a separate room because often mum's in room with bub for feeding purposes, etc. By Friday, come back in so you can have your snuggles and cuddles and reconnect with your partner, but just that the two people aren't just beyond exhausted because then I think it really impacts the relationship and the family functioning as a whole. So if the person looks after the baby from Monday to Thursday, does that mean when the other half comes in on the Friday to Sunday that they go, okay, this is my part. This is where I'm going to let you sleep. I do love that. (laughs) I love that concept. I think so, yes, in some ways, or you work out a way that works for you. So, you know, one of you gets the sleep in the lion and vice versa. You've got to find a way that works for you. Every couple and every family is doing it so differently, but really having that support for each other is so important, acknowledging that it's the way it is. I mean, I've never come across a couple who hasn't experienced sleep deprivation. Um, So it's sort of, it's a known that we can actually work with. There's so many um, things we can't control, but sleep deprivation is an obvious one that we can at least plan for and um, try and support each other as best we can. Melissa Hughes also says it's important not to compete with your partner about who has had less sleep. That's the insane competition, right? So you look at it now with lots of sleep and you look back and go, ha ha ha, really funny story. But at the time, it's not funny at all. It's like that's your key thing that you're looking at. And does he need more sleep because he's going to work? Do you need more sleep because you got up during the night? You know, that balanced scorecard method, it doesn't work. It's a race to the bottom. Totally. To see who's at the bottom. Like yes. it's, it's the worst race ever. Yes. <laughs> when you start talking about this and when you start, when two people come, I always say to couples, you can get through anything. I've seen couples get through so many things. And what I what I ask them to come with is honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. Our relationships need a bit of TLC when we're both tired and scratchy. But what happens if you're a single parent? Melissa has specific advice for those doing it on their own. 
when I'm talking to a single parent, these are the two things I say. Find 50 minutes in a 168-hour week and come and talk to me. And with one more hour, you're going to take like two for yourself out of 168, go and get a massage because touch is incredibly important. And when you are a new parent, you're giving, right? You're giving. Oh my gosh, they're on me. They're touching me. They're feeding from me. And it's, it's exhausting and people end up feeling empty. So non-sexual touch is really important. If you haven't been sleeping well for a while, you can start to develop a fear of losing sleep. Lana Sussman. I think that sleep's become this huge thing, like it's a big thing. You know, people kind of joke about it a lot as well, like I haven't slept in seven months. Well, you have, you just haven't had as much as you used to. I think none of us are sleeping as well as we should. I think being a parent in general creates some kind of sleep deprivation or exhaustion or tired feelings. I do think that there is a lot of fear around, yeah, the sleep deprivation. What's it going to do to me? What's it going to do to my relationship? The, f- the fear is real. <laughs> um, and I guess people have the right to be scared about it. But I think it doesn't sort of help to, to sort of joke about it so much, you know, and for it to become such a thing, because it does increase the anxiety around that. Um, I think wherever possible, try not to talk about it. Because then I think when you're getting obsessed about it, and your friends are all talking about how much sleep, then you get obsessed with each other's babies, or how much sleep are they getting? And oh, on my app, I, you know, pressing the button, making sure that, you know, my, oh, she's only catnapping, catnapping and all these other words that I guess pop up when it comes to, to sleep and, and, and babies and parents. So I guess, um, just having an awareness around what that stirs up within all of us and just trying to not engage as much with it. Again, it's about managing those expectations. I mean, you know, we all know it's going to happen and it's about how can we make this situation the best for everybody. And, you know, I I really also encourage getting help with sleep as well. There are experts out there who help with really gentle sleep training um, or advice. And we really recommend getting that because all the research shows that a baby is not damaged by gentle sleep uh, training techniques. And in fact, the whole family will benefit from that. We see families who are still sleep deprived and are managing sort of difficulties with sleep, you know, way into, you know, toddler years and beyond. And it just doesn't have to be like that. Delwyn Bartlett from the Woolcock Institute says that accepting that life has changed and to cut yourself some slack is really important. You would like to think that babies would get about 16 hours of sleep in those first few weeks, but a lot don't. And if you have a baby that's on a very short sleep cycle, because an adult sleep cycle is about 90 minutes, but some babies will have a 45-minute sleep cycle, particularly during the daytime, you don't get anything done. You know, and it's just full-on feeding all the time and it's it's a lot of hard work but sometimes that's about all always building up your milk supply if you're breastfeeding and sometimes if you're bottle feeding it's just the luck of the draw but sometimes and hopefully more times than sometimes if you have a very short sleeping baby during the daytime they often tend to sleep a little bit longer at night but not always so it, it can be just so hard. And we don't talk about those things enough, you know, you know, and so 
you, you expect that you can still do everything. You expect that you can, yeah, feel great. You can go out and have a walk and you can do this and you can do that. But sometimes if you actually have a shower once a day, you're doing well. Sleep deprivation is the pits. There's no two ways about it. But if you put in place some strategies with your partner, eat well, and remember to take it easy, you will feel a lot better. I'll give Melissa Hughes the last word on how parents can deal with a chronic lack of sleep. Don't be so hard on yourself. And don't make really big decisions for at least a year. Be kind, be gentle. Try and be generous of spirit in your thinking about your partner. This might be, and and if you, if, all else fails, if everything else fails and you are out of your mind, pick up the phone and call someone. Pick up the phone and call and talk. The number of times that mums feel so much better after even a half hour conversation, sometimes what I do with my new mums is I'll see them via Skype and I'll see them for 25 minutes on Tuesday and 25 minutes on Friday. And just those two points where I'm asking how are you? What are you doing for yourself today? It's just that that reminder, you know. There is no there, there is also, and I say this to mums, when you get on a plane and they do the um, the introduction, one of the things they say is, fit your own oxygen mask first before you help others. This is what this is the the kind of framework I work with mums on. You have to have your own oxygen mask on. If it's the difference between your baby going to um, a playgroup or you going to counselling and getting a a massage, choose you. Because if mum's good, everything else will roll out. You've got to put yourself first. This is the final episode in the podcast series, The Promise of Sleep. We put it together to help parents. So if you know any who might get something out of it, please let them know. And we sincerely hope that something in this series has helped you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you'll join me weekdays at midday on Kindling Kids Radio for Kindling Conversation, where we talk about different aspects of parenting, from dealing with allergies to raising resilient kids. Tune in on your digital radio through the free Kindling app or listen wherever you get your podcasts. For further help with sleep, tune in to Kindling Kids Radio every Monday at midday or call in with your questions for Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Be kind to yourselves and remember, there is a light at the end of the tunnel.